2: On today's podcast, my guest is comedian, journalist, and all-round great talker, Angela Fappierre. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'm going to discover why her mother chucks rocks and shells at Big Squid. Great to have your company today and it is equally great to finally catch up with the always fun and insightful Ange LaFwa pierre we've been attempting to catch up for months now, like literally months, and we've finally made this happen and hopefully we can get more of Ange on this podcast in the next few months and... You know, to be honest, it also gives me uh, a really good excuse to catch up with her on a regular basis. But she's always great, and uh, this is no exception. So, if you're a fan of Andrew's work, uh, keep an ear out, because she plugs her upcoming shows at the Adelaide Fringe and Melbourne Comedy Festival towards the end of our chat. I also have a few shows coming up. I start my Adelaide Fringe run soon, uh, on the 28th of Feb. It's just around the corner. I'm doing five shows only. My new solo stand-up show, Little Victories. It's the first one since uh, 2019. It's the first official one since 2019, anyway. And uh, I'll be appearing at the Rhino Room. And because you're a loyal listener of Big Squid, you can access a discounted ticket by using the promo code podcast type that in you can save yourself some coin when getting your tickets so head to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs and you will be able to find more details that's justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs and it's only five shows So I know what happens during The Fringe, because I have also been someone who has done this uh, across multiple festivals, where you think, yeah, I'm going to get to that, and you never get to it. Like As an example, for ages, I was planning on seeing the picture of Dorian Gray, and I kept missing it, and it was my fault, and I finally managed to snare a ticket, and I saw it on Saturday, and it was fantastic. And I would have been really bummed out if I had missed this wonderful show and what I'm trying to say is (laughs) my solo show is as good as the picture of Dorian Gray let's be honest I'm going to be talking into a microphone and telling heaps of jokes and that was a multimedia event but anyway you get the gist so if you're keen to come along 28th of Feb to the 4th of March and then that's it five shows only Remember also, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can use your super-duper discount code for my solo show. And speaking of Patreon, when you sign up, you not only get access to uh, uh, really big discounts for live events, but you also get access to bonus podcasts, scripts, uh, you get entry into our private Facebook group, uh, so much more, and you also have an episode that is dedicated to you. And today's Patreon shout-out goes to Alicia Hobson. Thank you for subscribing to Big Squid, Alicia, and being part of our thriving community. I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Ange, who is never anything less than entertaining. So let me know what you think once you've heard this episode. If you're not a subscriber and would like to join us, and uh, all money that goes into the Patreon goes into the production of this podcast, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton, and you can find a tier that suits you. I'll be back at the end of this podcast to let you know what is coming up later in the week and what is also starting up next week. But for now, let's bring in our good friend, Ange. About six months in the making, this podcast. <laughs> I feel like we have genuinely been trying to do this for about six months and I reckon there was uh, scheduling. Yep. So there were times where... Uh, our schedules just weren't meeting up mm-hmm. and then you were overseas mm-hmm. and then you came back and then you were all over the place. Illness fr- struck. From being overseas. <laughs> yeah, we
3: weren't going to detail.
2: So uh, it's finally happening, which is great. And also I'm glad that you've come in uh, with some notes because I, from about October – had a little thing of notes for you and then i added to it and then i took stuff out because it wasn't relevant and then i lost them yeah great so well i mean i'll
3: lose these later today like these have about (laughs) three hours left before i lose them so yeah look i mean it has been it's been six months in the making um i mean some films get made quicker than this this podcast episode got made right i know and i think you know that'll be reflected in quality the amount of time that it's taken for this to this come This is going together. to be great. Yeah. It'll be good.
2: <laughs> I feel very confident. Uh, have you been going to the cinema lately or have you been a, uh, a TV person?
3: I have been taking my uh, new kind of, like I've sort of rebooted my career in the last year as a culture journalist more mm-hmm. than, I've sort of moved away from hard news and I cover like, culture and trends and, like, mm. the internet now, which I'm loving. And it also means that I've just had to change my media diet a right. lot. Yep. So what I read, what I consume every morning changes. And, the like, my sort of – I've got, like, a rolling weekly list of, like, things to consume, and that might be podcast, TV. Mm. You know, that's changed yeah. really dramatically. And heaps and heaps of, like, current TV and film has has, which I just didn't have time for before Is now like kind of a professional imperative to watch yep. Which is such a cool professional imperative to have And I yep. feel like you have that as well yep. um, And so I have some things to discuss I now all of a sudden have th- thoughts about <laughs> right. And or about uh, about White Lotus Anyway
2: Yeah, it's funny The I, I have moments of talking to my friends And uh, especially friends who have kids as mm. well uh, Any age and you'll be talking to them about something and they'll say, oh, I haven't even heard of that. What's that on? And you'll yeah. say, oh, it's on Disney+. Plus." Oh, no, we don't have Disney+. Plus. And I'm like, why don't you have Disney+, Plus?" or, you know, they mm. won't have Stan, or they won't have – and I, and then I have to remember, oh, yeah, that's right. No, I'm the weirdo <laughs> yeah. who has to be across all of these things to be able to kind of check in and, you know, you're not going to be across everything, but you're – you need to be able to have the option.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, you know, you know that you've got to like subscribe to everything now, and we have yep. this incredibly fragmented internet that we didn't yeah. used to have, and um, and so now you kind of, I think, I reckon, if you're a parent uh, with this kind of inflation, you're just like, okay, you know, you know what, the kids are watching the ABC, and that's that's yes. what they're
2: watching. Yeah. That's free. <laughs> I know they're seventeen, but they can still get something out of Bluey, so <laughs> yeah. that'll be fine.
3: Well, famously, they apparently can. I'm yet to watch an episode. That is somewhere at the bottom of my to consume list.
2: You know what? Uh, people who bang on about Bluey can be almost evangelical, like my, uh, like Craig Egan. Yeah, it's like and, a weird cult, isn't but it? You, you watch it and it's great. Yeah, no, no, I know. And I, I reckon it's because there's so much shit kid stuff that when you get something good, you become a bit hysterical. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the, I can get into this as well, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, I feel like people are just like, we can serve up any old thing to kids and kind yeah. of forget that they're actually incredibly discerning yep. but yeah but maybe i don't know maybe like bluey was the first great TV, like kids tv item in a while for a while it feels yeah. like it,
2: feels like it. I, I don't know enough but it feels like you know the only times i've ever really seen uh, children's television is on a regular basis is back when i used to go on the road a lot so yeah you, you'd, and you'd be like on road show so you get up in the morning you just turn the tv on so you've got something yeah to yeah kind yeah. of keep you you know, buzzing in the background. And sometimes you'd look and you'd be like, I'm about to have an epileptic fit. Like, how are kids dealing with this?
3: I just remember my mum and dad always banging on about how much they loved play school and me not getting it until I was old enough for them to explain to me that there were all these Easter eggs for adults right. in play school where, you know, like, I didn't, can't remember their names. Like, let's say it's Monica and Pete. Those are yep. like play schooly names. Yep. And, um, and, <laughs> You know, Monica would be like bashing on some pans as part of the game, and Peter'd be like, ow 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 no my head and then it would be like what wait what's wrong Pete he'd be like Pete be like I've got a sore head today like bright lights hurt my eyes and loud noises upset me and like the gag is Pete has a hangover like yeah. there are all these weird and sometimes apparently I've not verified this do not quote me never quote me but there was like weird sexual innuendo really like, But not concerning kids or anything like yeah. wrong like that but just like stuff like maybe like some flirty vibes between the I don't know yeah. I feel my mum and dad when they were reflecting this back to me so this is like sixth tenth hand which is why I'm like don't quote me right. but they were like no 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 there was all these there was all this cool stuff in uh in in play school for adults that's funny
2: I have not heard any of that because mum was not <laughs> into play school and uh I wasn't in it for long either like I think I went straight from Sesame Street to mum discussing the dismissal this me. was
3: also like the 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 yeah right this was always like the early also the early 90s when my parents were watching this and it was Forbes um which right. for people who don't know is like kind of like fewer than it's like a four-figure town yeah like there's you know I, I don't know how many people I'm pretty sure it's one of those towns that's shrinking and it's in um in sort of country New South Wales and that's where I grew up and so like they probably just hadn't, like, no one had told them a joke in like six weeks. Right. And then, <laughs> and there was no internet and the cinema didn't exist. And right. so, like, they probably, like, literally, there was like this one thing on yeah. Play School and they were like, that's hilarious. And so they've got like an un, like, this totally disproportionate bond to yeah. Play School and maybe. It, like they made like two jokes for adults in yeah. like five years, but my parents remember both of them. And
2: I reckon that's what's happening with Bluey. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the adults are centering on it because it's the one thing they can center yeah. on because
3: everything else is too much hungry sh- Shark. Or, I don't know. I'm not going to try and make either. like references to kids culture because it's like a total blind spot for me and I'm I'm that's fine. And I'm what comfortable a relief. with that. I'm comfortable. What an absolute yeah. relief that yeah, yeah, it yeah. is a blind
2: spot. Yeah. Um have you seen anything recently that's blown your mind?
3: Yeah, okay. So I really I really need to talk to you because I feel like as a sci-fi Person mm. Is that the preferred title? Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I feel like being calling people uh, like geeks and nerds is now cool again. Like being a geek, being a nerd is now back in. Yeah. And I wonder if your community still experiences that as a slur.
2: I have no idea. <laughs> I don't belong to any community. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, sure. I'll, I'll just answer. Okay, uh, Look, right. to me, look, to be honest, when it comes to words, it's not the word, it is the intention.
3: Because people are now claiming like... Because now there's like these weird little um, – because fandom is so like toxic and, and by its definition exclusive, right? Mm. Um, you know, I think there are nice versions of it. But it when well, it when it, extra- when it extrapolates, particularly yeah. in an internet environment, that's how it ends up. Yeah. And so you now have like people gatekeeping what it is to be a geek slash nerd, whatever, because you've got people like, you know – like w- what i would say is like conventionally attractive women like hot girls on the internet how yeah. like a certain type of person on the internet would classify particularly men yeah. like oh all these like hot women suddenly claiming to be like a geek or a nerd yeah. because it's uh cool all of a sudden well yeah. show me your credentials yeah. anyway that's what i was alluding to when i said that um that's suddenly cool again but look i'm interested in your take on andor in particular yeah. because i finished and i know i'm a little behind here that's so okay. bear with me but um, I finally finished watching uh, the the season that season of Andor, yeah, the only season uh, last night, and so it's fresh. So it's fresh. Yeah. So I want to talk about it, and yeah. um, and basically, uh, obviously, spoilers here for people who've not seen it. But um, it, I mean, it is quite a motive all the way through. There are inc- it's incredibly. Well done. I'm not the first person to say that. The dialogue is really believable and excellent and um, also it's like fabulously anti-fascist and so much stuff going on. Anyway, there are a lot of points throughout that season where one with a heart in one's chest might cry. Yes. 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 However, I didn't and I like I'm not, you know, I'll cry and things like that's not a um, that's not an uncommon occurrence for me. However, It wasn't until the final episode that the waterworks really turned on. And the moment that it happened was when this robot, this droid... Oh, yeah. ...is mourning the death of this matriarch, of Andor's mother. Yeah. And, and, you know, you get, like, a POV shot from the droid and it's, like, everything's shaking, the world's shaking. You kind of have, like, almost like a watery view. It's, like, evoking, like being a droid and tearing up and like yeah. shaking from your grief yeah and and like obviously in the Star Wars universe droids are um not your standard robot like droids are given this emotional depth yeah from from what I've seen yeah you know that it's never fully explained because you don't have to because that's the benefit of sci-fi. But yeah. like they just kind of give they give droids feelings without ever explaining why. But they only to a certain extent. We're un- we're to we're almost to understand that droids have a like a muted half emotional life, mm. like something like that, and, yeah. and a deep loyalty, almost like a dog. Yeah. It's kind of like that's the world. And people, I know people will dispute and say, like, dogs have full emotional lives. I can just <laughs> yeah. hear that now. But but anyway, so let's say, you know, a kind of lesser version of human emotionality. Yeah. And I just broke up completely. Yeah. Maybe it's to do with something else that I'm going through that I'm not even aware of yet. Maybe it like unlocked something in me. But right. I just wondered if you'd ever had any experiences of like, Robots having feelings, yeah. machines having feelings, yeah. Anthropomorphized machines having feelings, just killing you emotionally because that was – it got me.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, long-time listeners of this podcast know that we do uh, a podcast called Space uh, – or a section called Space Podyssey where we go over old films. And the first uh, movie like that that ruined me was a film called Silent Running, which is about uh, – all of the world's ecosystems have been put onto spaceships and uh, that they've had to eject them from the earth to save them. And then the corporations running them decide that they can't afford to keep them anymore and, mm. they're, and they're just going to destroy them. And there's these three little droid robots who are nicknamed Huey, Dewey and Louie. And they are just <laughs> little boxes with feet that go around planting and doing all sorts. And it is... <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And when we rewatch the movie, you know, parts of it's quite dated, you know, it's from 1972 yep. uh, I think off the top oh, wow. of my head. Okay. But the robots in that are like so they were they had um People inside them who were uh, from off the top of my head, I think a couple of amputees who were on their hands, uh, okay. you know, acting out the uh, robot. So they kind wow. of, even though they're quite mechanical looking, there is sort of something about the way they move that is relatable. Yep, and yep, yep. Uh, yeah, it, so it was, it was that, and then there was a, a Disney film called The Black Hole, and there was uh, Bob and Vincent, and they were. Sort of like the same makes, but Bob was all battered. And I think this is kind of <laughs> what relates to what you're talking about in Andor with uh, BT, uh, B2 yeah. Emu, uh, who is, he's battered and he's, yeah. and he's, 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 he's seen lived. a lot. He's lived. He's lived a life. Yeah. And he is, he's loyal. Like he's yes. like a dog. Yes. That, you know? Yeah, very dog like. And yeah. um, none of this surprises me. Yeah. Like he's Look, devastating.
3: What do you think it is, though? About
2: and he's not quite shown the affection that you want him to get either. No, which also of, makes it worse.
3: Yeah, and it adds a really interesting ethical dimension to the whole thing, where like the values of that series are like anti-fascist, yeah. anti-racist, yeah. anti-imperialist yeah. I mean, yeah. on a very literal level. Yeah, um, like it's, it's it's anti-capitalist. Like there are a lot yeah. of like it. It is a hugely radical series in many ways yeah in star
2: wars
0: yeah exactly and
3: and i really thought it was a very uh interesting choice to add this kind of complexity to these people these main characters who whose values and whose who you're just meant to endorse you're meant Mm. to go these are the good guys Mm. to give them this kind of behavior to endow them with this this practice Mm. of treating this droid as lesser yeah adds this very, like, beautiful complexity to them where you're like, oh, I, I don't actually, oh, you're not perfect either. Yeah. And it would be so tempting, and I think it is an, it is often a trope, right, in science fiction in particular, yeah. where the goodies and the baddies are fairly rigidly devi- d- defined. I mean, Star Trek being an exception to yeah, that
2: Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's there's complexity in other things. But, yeah, I know what you mean, uh, especially in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, like so it is known
3: for, it has that reputation, doesn't yeah, it? And that's yeah. why that's why kids love it
2: yeah like, like everyone forgets it's you know it's family entertainment yeah and um but you know cassian is an interesting character because you actually see the burgeoning of having a sense of um you know responsibility to something greater than him throughout the yeah 12 episodes is it yeah i think it's 12 yeah. uh so the, you know it's um like i enjoy the mandalorian uh once again the Baby Yoda was one of those things that I saw as a meme first, mm. and I was like, "I'm like, oh, fuck off! I'm not watching this, like, mm, mm, baby mm. Yoda. You're just trying to sell more <laughs> toys." And then I watched it, and that puppet stole my heart. I'm like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. They've done a really good job uh, with it.
3: But you've got to admit it when you when you when it's got you, it's got you. Yeah, yeah. And, and and let it happen as well. Yeah, like don't fight totally. it. Just yeah, go. Wh- oh yeah, great. Who well, wins if you fight it? Well, you know, lots yeah. of
2: people. Like I was. Um, one of my favourite things to watch in the world is uh, I watch the NBA basketball, and because it's not broadcast in, like I'm not getting the American broadcast, I'm watching it from the uh, from the app. So that means it doesn't go to adverts. It goes. It, sometimes they just show what's going on in the stadium and in the stadium because they have those big shot clocks and and screens they'll do things like they'll have kiss cam or they'll yeah. or they'll put bongos up and if you see yourself you know you play the bongos or you have a little snog or it's a dance cam or whatever and i find them hilarious and i really enjoy them and it's one of the things that i love about americans is that they could be sitting there watching their team eat a bag of shit and then they see themselves on the big screen and the next minute they're like da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. and they perform <laughs> and everyone cheers and it's really funny and in, in the rare times somebody doesn't perform uh you can see people booing them for not getting into the spirit of it yeah. or even my favorite thing is someone kind of just lost miles away and seeing it at the last second and before they launch into it the it's already moved. Yeah. I, anyway, I just find it really entertaining. Yeah, And uh, I like that more than Australians in that I think in Australia, if you do that, you know, people are more likely to be rubbing their balls on their mate's ears or flipping the <laughs> bird, you know, because they don't want to – because it's not yeah. cool. Yeah, But I, that's yeah. what I like about it. That's one of the traits of Americans I like, that they just get into it. Anyway, I showed a friend and they were just like, "Ah, oh, stupid fucking Americans. So I was like, you just missed – Everything that I was saying. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah. is this is the best part of being American.
3: Yeah. Let yourself love the thing. It's like you're okay. on the side of like, even if you think that it's a little bit basic, let yourself love the thing. Let yourself cry yeah. at the robot's grief. Let yes. yourself find baby Yoda cute. It's cute. Yeah. What can I say? Okay. So on the cuteness thing as well, I feel like that got like okay, so what I and I know I'm circling back here, but mm. with I, I wondered if you knew why we why it is we find, or if you had any thoughts on why it is we find robots' sadness more compelling, or why I might have found the rope like a robot's sadness more compelling than like a human humans grief, like why that was like the gateway to tears.
2: Well, I I feel like it's because there's something like animals. It's the it, I, I feel like there's something innocent yeah. to it. You know, it's the you know the like the awful stories about someone dying and the dog sitting next to the grave and never eating again and yes. dying next yeah, to the grave. Yeah, thing, yeah. Like there's a there's a, it it's it's reduced to basic core emotional stakes that we would all like to have in a certain just, way but we you know yeah. we're we're complex you know we're, we're we're full of caveats we're full of thinking our way through things but this was just the robot loved its master and it's sad that the master's gone, and is still loyal, and that's beautiful. Yes.
3: And I think that's a film that's like this, the sort of screen logic of it. But I find it really interesting because dogs and robots, if are anything but innocent in real life, they lack the moral framework, like the ethical framework that humans tend to operate with. I understand But that's what it. the innocence is. Yeah, like a dog like just there's, dog nothing, just to, loves there's you. nothing to stop the dog from like eating you if you d- do. You know what I mean? Like, like dogs are. Also, dog, yes, dog, yeah, but, maybe but, dogs are an interesting example but, but because you, you, we have domesticated dogs, yeah. but then you have like, you have like uh, the foundation of like what a dog yeah. is and it, the dog doesn't care. Like it, it is, it is still an animal that will like bite and kill potentially depending yeah. on how who, the individual dog obviously and how well it's trained, but um, like the fundamentals of what a dog is and okay. But the, a, a, dog's a dog's loyal to
2: you and then and if you drop dead and then the dog's starving, it'll eat you.
3: Yeah. Right. But
2: if we're on an island and I drop dead, like you, you should eat me. But you, I
3: feel like the dog will think won't think as hard about it as I would think about it. Though. Do you know what I mean? I reckon I'd be, I
2: reckon I'd be pretty tasty. <laughs> so I feel like um, a little saute hammer would be delicious.
3: My alternative, uh, my, <laughs> yes, my alternative uh, theory as to why we, why I potentially found that more moving, why one might is that it is like a safe way they. Oh yeah. dogs, robots—they're like us, but they're not us. And we can recognise enough of ourselves. It's like a safe distance from yes. which to regard um, a really uh, a, a really big emotion. It's like watching watching the blast through binoculars. Yes, Do you know what I mean. Yeah, and you're like the safety, your safe distance from it is what allows you to kind of feel it more fully. Yeah, because if you relate to like you know a son losing his mother, yeah, that is altogether too real. Yeah, whereas the robot losing its master or the robot losing its you know beloved you know right. that's i don't know yeah no no I, that's I, my I, like that's my napkin psychology yeah
2: i think there is a i think there is a level of safety to it like you know you're also talking to a 50 year old man who is quite comfortable not being in a relationship but has a bear over there from 2013 that he saw on a, a, a table in a common air rush uh, rubbish room and saw it there for like three days in a row and thought you know what you better come and live with me so <laughs> yeah <laughs> cleaned him up yeah he's been happy ever since look at him
3: did you, did you, how'd you clean him up did You take him to the dry cleaner
2: no, no no i just got, got a, some water and, a, and some soapy water and a sponge and just cleaned him up
3: yeah right and he's great yeah, he's been very happy ever <laughs>
2: since. Look at him; he's got a whole lot of pals.
3: I'm looking at him. Hey, buddy. Hey. Um, can I also? But, but yeah,
2: I think there's. I, I think they. But I think they did a good job with that robot as well. It yeah, you know, it kind of is yeah. treated not all a bit robots. Maybe cruelly.
3: You, maybe you wouldn't feel it for every robot.
2: Yeah, yeah, like you, you, I, like there's other robots that explode throughout the series that you you don't blink at, but that one's battered and it's devoted and you yeah. know. And then there's just Cassian shows it just a little bit of love towards the end, and I think that's almost like that's just really good storytelling. You go great, good work, Cassian. Yeah, how to go away with them.
3: I have to say, it left me with a lot of questions about like. The pro and like no doubt on like various like fan fan wikis on the internet there is mm. this information will be out there but like the the law the Star Wars law on the programming of droids like mm. what it is they feel like what we're because s- I mean people are like famously loyal to that franchise obviously and there would be that that detail exists mm. that detail does exist somewhere and yeah. people would have walked into you know that series having expectations of what droids are capable of feeling.
2: Can, can I also say I have seen R2-D2 and C-3PO in nine Star Wars movies and if I saw them blow up, I'd be fine.
3: You'd be fine.
2: Yeah. but And R2's great and C3's hilarious, but, but if they got blown up, you'd be like, they're oh, fundamentally, man, they, I can't they're believe comic, they just did that.
3: They're comic relief though, aren't they?
2: I guess, you know, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't feel empathy Not towards them but but but,
3: but th- I just think they do a much better job with the the robot in yeah. Andor. that actually brings me to the other thing that I wanted to seek your screen wisdom on which mm. is uh basically de- like deaths and what makes a funny death. oh be- be- before we get into that yeah what was
2: um every and rightfully so everyone talks about the language in in Andor and the speech that Stellan Skarsgård gives about you know he's burning his present for a you know, a sunrise oh, yeah. you'll never see. And like, it's. Holy shit, that was and amazing. You're sitting there and you're going, fuck, what is, what is happening here? Like, yeah. I've never heard dialogue like this in anything yeah. from Star Wars. This yes. is magnificent.
3: Magnificent, sparkling. Yeah.
2: I, I could have done a whole hour of uh, watching Cyril try to eat his uh, cereal while his mum <laughs> berates him. <laughs> like, I could have done a whole spinoff series of him just trying to go to work and his mum just telling him off.
1: Yeah,
3: I love that they put those characters in there. It was a little bit like... It was also like a very bold move from the writers. I thought... He did fuck all for seven episodes, except eat cereal. Well, he and got in eat trouble. Eat he, shit. He,
2: he got in trouble at the yeah. start, like he. And yeah, then, no, no, no. Yeah. I remember.
3: No, but like he got in trouble. He had like yeah. a big thing, and then he was <laughs> just, just like his, there was just like a, at least like two scenes in every episode for about seven episodes, for yeah. like the bulk of the season, yeah. where he's just eating shit, getting told off by his mum, and eating cereal. Those are the two activities that he does, and, and he just gets beat up. Magnificent, and we love it. Yeah. He's this sad clown. <laughs> He's a sad clown, and the mother is like pol- polarizing, but mostly beloved. I oh, think she's
2: so good. Yeah, she's so good
3: for being evocative, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: it was great. Yeah, um, I, I was, I was into all of it and every storyline, and I was, I was never unhappy to be in whatever storyline I was in. I was like,
3: great. I've also never had a favourite fascist before. I realised like two two episodes ago that I'm like the the commander in in the ISP, the intelligence commander. I'm like, wow, I'm actually really rooting for her. I'm in her corner. I kind of want good things for her.
2: Well, because she's coming along and she's obviously smart and she's right. She's being treated like a... Bucket of shit, and you go fucking men. The way they treat women, even <laughs> yes. in this fucking in a galaxy a long yeah. time ago, far far away, this woman's being treated like shit. So I was rooting for her as well, and then she started uh, started torturing. Big oh, son. yeah, I went. Oh, tor- that's right. No, torture, she's awful. Yeah. Hang yeah. on a sec.
3: Yeah, you yeah, Had to do it once real again. Good storytelling. So good. Yeah. So good. I think she, I feel like she's like the emblematic. I don't know if you're across like a uh, girl, uh, girl boss discourse. No. Okay. So. The girl boss is a very—I feel like she is the girl boss. Okay, um, she the original girl boss. Uh, she's emblematic of the, the fact that girl bosses have fallen from favor. So, girl boss is a term that was like a bit of a rallying cry throughout the 2010s, basically like the millennial era where millennials were kind of driving the the culture, capital mm. T, capital C, and internet culture in particular, and. Uh, it was this upswell of feminism and but the version of feminism is one that's often critiqued as like quote unquote white feminism like right. and and that's not even specifically a, it en- encompasses race but it's basically saying like your feminism is basic and doesn't take into account like different uh, different kinds of right. privilege and different kinds of not to get too bogged down in this but like it was basically like a, a frustration that emerged and a really valid one that um, that you know we were spending a lot of time worrying about women succeeding in Mm boardrooms when there were more pressing issues facing um all all kinds of women women with who weren't just white women and women who were not rich women and women who were not you know university educated necessarily and it was like it's basically a conversation about intersectionality and the girl boss (laughs) became a bit of a um a sacrificial lamb here. Now it's 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 gone from being like a a rallying cry yep. for women, like yeah, girl boss, to being kind of a slur.
2: Right. Okay.
3: Um, and that like, and it, the, you might remember, say, the debate around Hillary Clinton, and you know, people, some people on the left, like central center left, saying, oh, it sucks that we didn't get like a female president, and then a whole bunch of people from. Further left on that spectrum, going wait a second, like she was involved with some pretty shady stuff in the, oh, yeah. in the Middle East, yeah. and the, you know, like we don't agree with her politics, and we are not celebrate like we are surely we are not so hard up for success, and we are not so basic as to celebrate all women no matter their ethics and values. You we can still yeah. choose. We are not alt- like. Yeah. We are not such beggars that we cannot choose. Yes. And um, then you had
2: some women arguing that you think that's a fair argument. And then they voted for Trump and you go, what?
3: <laughs> I don't know that very many people switched from Hillary to Trump, but I'm sure uh, there were some out there. I don't know. Like, I feel like yeah. there was. That's true. Actually, know, there was analysis about suburban women and that was how Trump got like in. Like it area. was. Anyway. But yes, yes. Yes. So, but she, and so Mira, she is. Mirror is like the girl boss. It's like the, you're, you know, it shows you. It's a bit of a mirror for yeah. that, so to speak. Oh, wow. Yeah, Mira, Mira. Anyway, yeah. okay, I'll move on. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, it's real happening in real time here, uh, where you go, oh, I want her to succeed, and that is basically on the basis of gender, yeah, and that she's like, and she's getting like harassed by you know the creepy guy who got oh, fired, who yeah. worked up being a bureaucrat, like, Carl McLaughlin's <laughs>
2: evil clone,
3: right, the serial eating <laughs> dude. And you're like, oh, like leave her alone. She's a woman yeah. trying to succeed, and you're like, wait a second, what the hell am I cheering for? Yeah, she felt like. Uh, the mascot for the fall, like the fall from grace of girl bosses, and yeah. that here ends my TED talk on girl bosses. No, I enjoyed it. I'm, um, I'm
2: really into it. You know, I'm uh, getting uh, quite frustrated in uh, recent times. Of I've had um, a few uh, friends who, you know, like old friends as well, who will say things to me like, oh, you won't be interested in this because you know, it's uh, it's about girls," and you go. What?
3: <laughs> what? What? Do you mean it's about fifty percent of the population?
2: But also, like, but also, More, like,
3: 50, you, fifty-two
2: or something. You've known me for decades. Yeah, I watched *Julie and Julia*. You know why? Because I really like Meryl Streep and Amy Adams. <laughs> like that was that's why I watched it.
3: Not because you like Woody Allen. Wait, was that Woody Allen? No. Oh, okay. No. I'm thinking of something else. No, yeah. I watched it because it's. I'm thinking of Amy Adams Vicky, and Vicky Cristina Barcelona. No, you know? I haven't seen that. Yeah, no, I don't need to see that. *Julie and Julia*. Yeah, no. But, you know, it's like I saw – It's a dig. It's a real – it is a dig but whether or not yeah, they mean yeah. it it's, as
2: it's, such. It's, it's yeah. absolutely a dig. But yeah. there's also – it's like um, I feel like I'm might. i just about to say, oh, you won't like this. This is about black people just to <laughs> upset them. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, You know, because yeah, yeah. this it, is ridiculous or – Yeah. Tell you know, me you
3: think I'm a racist without telling me you think I'm a racist.
2: Well, it's. it's I, I don't know where this has come from, you know, this sudden – and it's happened quite a bit over the last six or seven months.
3: Well, what I would say is I think that there is a collective exhaustion. I'm, I'm, okay, so I'm working on a second season of a podcast I make called Schmeitgeist, which is about trends. It's basically, mm. it's like Schmeitgeist, Zeitgeist, is about what's in the Zeitgeist. Mm. And we're trying to work on something, and I'm still organising my thoughts on it, but basically post-woke. Right. Right where I think there is like a collect... And this is like very much being driven by Gen Z, but it is across the board as well. And anti-woke falls into this too. There's like anti-woke movements, but there's like a post-woke thing where whether or not this is true, there's an assumption that people are exhausted with certain debates around identity. And like Mm. if if they were going to get the point or agree or both, that's already happened. Yeah, And the repetition... Um, becomes tiresome if we're not advancing solutions, if we're just sort of talking about, you know, different iterations of injustice of that shape or kind, then okay, like who does this help? Who does this serve? Mm. And maybe that's a little bit, maybe what you're experiencing there, I'm being quite kind to your interlocutor who you have not named, but um, uh, perhaps there's like and people anticipating that, going like, oh, we're all bored of these conversations. Oh,
2: yeah, but... But, but yes, oh yeah, you know, I, I see the point you're making. But the, the greater point I'm making is, you've known me for decades. Yeah. Mm. So why are you saying it to me? Yeah. Like when have a bit when of faith. have when have you ever said anything to me and I've gone, fucking women, like <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know? You do do that to me all the time. I I've do heard do you that. I've heard too, but you say that before. I just before. do anything yeah. to make you laugh. Yeah. Like, you
2: know. <laughs> anyway, it's just one of those frustrations where it's like. I'm right here. You mm. know the. I saw the most <laughs> magnificent movie on the weekend with probably like what, one of the best performances. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to work it out. I'm so far. Uh, I'm so far down this Warren hole at the moment. I, this the one of the best performances I've mm-hmm. seen in the last ten years, and it's Cate Blanchett and Taha. Oh yeah. And well yeah. No, I've got to watch that still. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. yeah. It's i mean out of I watched control. the trailer
3: and you can see how great she is uh, from the trailer. I know, but yeah.
2: I, I like, uh, like I would love to see Michelle Yeoh win the Oscar because it's Michelle Yeoh. Sure, and, you know, who doesn't but love that film, Kate Blanchard all, yeah. doesn't win. It's yeah, it's a fucking some, travesty. Wrong with like she should win Best Actress and Best Actor and Best Supporting Actress and Best Supporting. <laughs> she Actor. should win That's, next
3: year and the year she, after. Like it's
2: it's out of control.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm so excited to see it, and I'm yeah. reluctant
2: to bring it up with some people because you know it's like. I went and saw that movie because I heard it was good and yeah. because I think she's great.
3: And you don't want it to be – one I had someone who came back to me the other day and they were a little bit kind of like – they'd seen everything everywhere all at once, but they'd seen it like, whatever, nine, 12 months after everyone else saw uh, it. I can't yeah, remember when it came yeah, out. Yeah. And it had been hyped so much to them that they were a bit yeah. like, ah, well, it's not like – it didn't change my life. Um, well, maybe, like, oh, Well, yeah. But, well, a movie you know, doesn't maybe, have to change yeah, your Yeah, life. it doesn't have to change your life to be good, and, but it had been overhyped. I, but I, maybe. I do
2: understand something being overhyped. Yeah.
3: But um, anyway, whatever. All right, what's
2: the um, – sorry –
3: Oh, I was going to – okay, we can quickly – I have thoughts on the menu as well. Have you seen the menu? Yeah. Yeah. Because so everyone I, complained bitterly about the menu. Same. Yeah. I had the same thing happen to
2: me. What and, was the
3: complaint coming your okay, way? Okay, and I, look, I happen to share some of the gripes, but right. the thing is that I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about that room. I can't stop thinking about the the premise. Yeah. I think it's an incredibly good premise that was quite poorly executed because – Okay, first of all, I think it's cashing in, so to speak, on the Eat the Rich thing, that Eat the Rich pattern in screen culture at the moment where there's a whole raft of things that have just done incredibly well over the last few years, whether that is um, Squid Game or whether it is White Lotus or whether it's, I don't know, there are so many Eat the Rich films, but, um, you know, Films that essentially had like a. You mentioned two TV shows. Two TV shows, screen culture in general. I feel right, like there's okay. like a blurring line between sure. like the higher yeah. end of TV. Yeah. Um. You know, this kind of. I feel like the budget per minute is is fairly comparable to a lot of, <laughs> to, to a lot of cinema yeah. that's made now. And then you've also got Netflix and and like you know actually making, um, making films, making feature yeah. length films. So it's an incredibly blurry universe uh, now um so yeah i do kind of just lump it all in as screen culture um but yeah what i would say about the menu is i feel i felt like it was it felt to me like some executive somewhere had said we need We need a film that critiques the rich, but not in a way that's going to be uncomfortable for anyone. We want to – they all talk like this, film executives talk like this. Um, (laughs) We want to do it in a way that that feels like people are going to walk out of the cinema and kind of like pat themselves on the back and like feel a little bit smug, like, I'm not one of those like foodie, pretentious foodie assholes, but not not actually really have their politics challenged in any real way. Okay, so for for starters, you have this unhinged chef who has like, you know – flipped uh flipped out and yeah. has decided to to kill ev- yeah okay so we know but um his rationale you kind of you are drip fed his rationale for killing everyone yeah and it doesn't i don't believe it for a second like that's like you made a move like the, the shitty actor like the washed up actor where it's like you made a film once that reminds me of what was it it was like it reminds me of of how bad art can be or something. And so right. I'm going to kill you. It's like, no man, there are so many reasons. Like there were so many better candidates to have in that room to kill. It just, no one, no one was really that believable. I think it's a strong premise, excellent premise. And I'm obsessed with the fact that they put it all in pretty much held the whole thing in one room. Okay. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I can still remember that room. I could like draw that room yeah. with my eyes closed. It's like, it's etched forever in my memory. Yeah. Uh, but it jumped the shark, lost me, the characters stopped being believable, the dialogue stopped being believable. Um, it's, it's pretty, you know, early on in the film, like a third of the way through.
2: Right. I what just thought it think? was funny. Yeah, you just thought it was funny. I just thought it was really well made and it was yeah. funny. Yeah. Like I I don't give a shit about food culture. Um, oh, no, I wasn't offended. No, 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 no. no I no, didn't go harder. Oh, I wanted
3: it to go harder.
2: I don't know. Like I've, I've got to be honest with you. Like one of my favourite scenes in a movie from last year was when um, – Nicholas Holt Was forced to cook
3: Yeah That was That was pretty nice <laughs> And I, was There was nice. a part
2: of me I was sitting there Like you know You always bring a little bit Of yourself to a movie I was sitting there going Fuck man I would love to have done that To a couple of punters Over the years yeah. Alright get up yeah. mate yeah. Go on Entertain a room Go on mate Yeah Let's see you go Yeah Go for it mate
3: I have seen people Kind of do that Have you? Yeah Well oh, not, not like comedy. Give them give the mic But like Be Never like Give them the mic No, no. (laughs) It's a terrible mistake I kind of I don't know I would like to Let's say I would watch that scene In a film quite happily To be like What happens I would like to write that scene Oh yeah To be like What are the possibilities here What happens when you Because you You know I've stopped sometimes Because I don't actually have I'm not that kind of comic Yeah When If someone goes me Which rarely happens actually Because I kind of play Pretty low status on stage Relatively low status Most of the time And You talk
2: quickly too Being
3: a Yeah maybe they're not Which is good Yeah But they I don't know But like it's I don't feel like people go people haven't gone to me very often and when they have it tends not to be nasty it tends to be that like sort of well-meaning I think I'm contributing but I'm just <laughs> yeah. not I just haven't seen enough comedy yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't mind yeah. that you just kind of like yeah. try and roll with those ones but when it's really persistent and disruptive maybe a bit drunk oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, then you know you sort of have to deal with it or stop The gig right or i don't know like i don't Mm. you know there are one gig i had to stop altogether but um but i do sort of that i i kind of just go to like a nice place with them i'm like hey Mm. i don't know what like i'm not the kind of comic that's like you know those like movie those clips that you've seen on youtube of like Mm. comedian destroys heckler Mm. like i'm the version of like heckler destroys comedian like this is not gonna like I don't have anything clever to say to you right now except say, like, hello, sir. So, like, please stop. Oh, yeah. And just kind of like – So, you just defang them. Kill – yeah. Kill, kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what the point of that story was.
2: Well, I guess we were um, kind of just getting back to uh, talking about the menu and Nicholas Holt having to get up and – Oh, yeah. Uh, you yeah, know, the cook, pleasure of uh, seeing someone. Yeah.
3: yeah, but there has – but sometimes I – I mean, kill them with kindness, but the other thing that I do is like, hey – like and just sort of stop and look at them yeah. and sort of like put the pressure oh, on yeah. them. Be yeah. like and have like say things like, "Do you want to go? Do you want
2: to?" Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, no. I think that's pretty delicious. I look so. Um, so I'll I'll tell you what was said to me before I saw the menu, which then made me I was a bit bamboozled because I I know a few people who saw it who didn't like it at all, mm. and th- the common thing they said was. Really early on I worked out what was going to happen and I was like, oh, I I never at any point thought that the movie was not was something to work out. I was just happy to sit there and watch it happen. There like I this, worked it out too, yeah, but it's, there
3: but is, it's, it's th- fine. There is a strange thing where people, it's like there's actually only a very narrow band of art where one of the, you know, screen stuff where – the main goal is to like be ahead of it well yeah like yeah. keep keep everyone guessing yeah. it on their toes until the last minute it's kind of like it's like you know knives out glass onion which is more of the eat the rich stuff by the way yes but yeah, yes knives out glass onion i got up um, a
2: little i got up a little list for you
3: thank you because
2: of uh, what you uh, what you said so um because i thought it might help for people listening parasite
3: yes parasite was you know. a and maybe one of the first ones that really kicked off this trend i feel like a lot of people
0: Enjoy fast shipping options, like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
3: Would have looked at that, film yeah, executives. I yeah, mean, 2019, gone, Make yeah. us that. Make
2: us, like, that. Uh, triangle of Sadness, which I was yeah, exactly. going to get to on the weekend, but I still haven't managed to get to yet. Yep. Knives Out is mentioned. It's the original one, but it can also mention the sequel. Uh, Snowpiercer
3: Yep, Snowpiercer the TV uh,
2: as well, Hustlers, have you ever seen Hustlers? Never I have heard just the best Oh
3: wait, was with that the Jennifer Lopez Oh okay, no, it's slightly different I'm thinking of yeah. American Hustlers
2: Um, And uh, the other one, uh, Us by Jordan Peele Yep And uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer Which I really enjoyed And Joker, which I was not into Yeah Anyway, that just gives people a bit of an idea. Yes, of those kinds of Yes, this
3: is what we're talking about when yeah. we talk about that trend in um, in cinema and things.
2: But anyway, uh, the menu was just one of those movies that I, I I just enjoyed. I enjoyed the performances. I love Hong Chow. I thought she was great. Yep. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy was great. Nicholas Holt is just always kind of magnificent, and yep. I, I I really love Ray Fiennes. So yep. I just enjoyed all the performances and the, the performances, and I thought the denouement yeah. was. I don't know, wanting the burger and getting eating the burger at the end was kind of fun. I it just was, found it fun. It was cute. It was cute. Yeah. And that's fine. I, it's, it, it's a movie I might watch again. Huh, there you go. I but mean, I, Like, I, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch it, but if if I was – say it's one of those nights where you've been flicking around for 20 minutes and you just don't know what you're in the mood for, you think, you know what, fuck it, I'll watch the menu. Yeah,
3: again. fuck it, just to end this, like, endless decision-making. And I'll, and I'll be pretty happy with that decision. Yeah, look, I probably – I would almost go back and watch it just out of curiosity because I can't fault the performances. The performances yeah. were extraordinary. It was a little bit like, you know, seeing Anna D'Armes in, in Blonde, right? It's like, you just did a spectacular job with a film that arguably... I feel like that uh, Shouldn't have been made. Uh, no, no, no. But yeah, the yeah. menu should have been made. I'm not saying, like, it was that right, bad. Right, I'm not saying, right. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, as bad, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. sure, sure. It's yeah. not, like, on the Razzie's list, but... Um, it, it, I just was like frustrated. I'm like, I want, I just wish you, you guys had taken another couple of passes at that script. Easy for me to say. It's like, I feel like, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's you're like you're allowed to be critical.
2: Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, but While also being, acknowledging that, you know, uh, I had Melanie Tate on who has her, one of her plays being made into a movie and we were discussing how anything gets made, let alone gets made well. Is yeah, like quite shocking.
3: Yeah, I think speaking of like our six six month uh, run up to this, I I had a thought at some point in the last two years that the amount of time it had taken for a certain project to come to fruition that I had aged visibly in that time. Right, and now I can't stop thinking about that metric, particularly oh, right. when you work in like project. Based creative yeah. projects, and you're like, oh, by the time and film is so devilish as well, like yeah. in, in that way, and like you know, if you have ambition to like make a make a TV show or make a film project, and you're at the start of your career, you're like, yeah, I wonder how much older I'm going to look by the time this gets made. Not that, yeah. that but just as a metric, not yeah. because like aging is Satan or anything. You know, you know,
2: one of the things I will always appreciate about the Breaking Bad universe is they made a movie many years. After the TV series finished, and the actors were both a bit chubbier, and you know what, <laughs> it was fine. And you know what, Better Call Saul, for the most part, takes place before Breaking Bad. But Bob Odenkirk, that like, is quite clearly older. But you yeah. know what, it's fine. We get it. It's trust, not a documentary.
3: Trust your audience to forgive. Yeah, for it's that fine. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um. So I, I would also. I'm now at a point. I've made a uh a decision this year. That I would rather see something like the menu and mm. think that maybe it doesn't quite land the plane than another by the numbers IP movie. Oh, so yeah. you know, like I so I so I saw Avatar, times, yeah. which technically is a really well-made film. Like I totally get it. Like I I can see the expertise and I can see the attention to detail and the care that's being put into that film. And it it's so much better than the movie. It Technically, it's so much better than the movie I'm about to mention. But I saw Babylon and I had a much better time mm. and that is a hot mess. Mm. That movie is a hot mess. <laughs> and I had a really good time and I laughed and it, it, even the shit that didn't work made me laugh and I kind of appreciated its excess and they're both – you know, three-hour movies and Avatar is technically a better movie and I was bored shitless.
3: It's such a relief to hear you say that Um, and it does make me wonder, like, where are the people, where are the hordes of people who are crying out for Hollywood to continually dive into these same pools of IP again and again and again? Um, I mean, they must exist because these – these films do relatively well at the box office. Is it because of a lack of alternative? I don't know. I have been really stuck for about 12 months now on the question of um, this kind of what, you know, people have written, like there's a lot of capital D discourse about, about this, about, you know, the, the um, creative crisis. Yep. As a name the creative yep. crisis that we are not seeing, and you know, studios like A twenty four making films like Everything Ever All at Once is seen as a departure from that. They're yep. very welcome one, and that yep. perhaps we might be starting to move away from that. I have my own personal theory as to why, um, as to why we're really hooked on nostalgia as a culture because it is it's very prominent in in screen culture, but it's visible elsewhere as well. Particularly in, I think you can see it in music as well. Mm-hmm. Just this kind of stalling, looping. I have a theory that it is because the we don't have so much a monoculture anymore because audiences are incredibly fragmented mm-hmm. and we stopped having a kind of common cultural canon. We sort of hit pause on that. It wasn't mm-hmm. an exact moment. But if I had to go under my head, pin it down, I would say like 2010. Mm-hmm. about 2010 is when everyone stopped looking at, listening to, consuming reliably the same thing to the point that we could all refer to it reliably and know that everyone else will be on board. It stopped happening. And so I think, you know, the commercial imperative didn't go away for Hollywood to continue to achieve those numbers, particularly with those big blockbusters where you have all that expenditure. And so what they've done is gone, okay, what is the reliable way to get people, get bums on seats, get people back you know, into the cinema to see this thing, talk to them about the last thing that they all, we know they all remember, Mm. which is like pre-2010, hence the nostalgia loop.
2: Well, that's also why certain things pop, you know. It's like I was talking to a comedian recently who said that he won't do any material about the Queen dying because he thinks it's hack. And it's like I was fascinated by that because I didn't think it was hack at all. Mm. I think it was one of those rare things that we're all across. Yeah. So yeah. Why, why wouldn't you talk about it? Yeah. You know, like you can approach it in a hack way, but if you've got thoughts on it. But uh, yeah, I I think that... And also I think there has been... I think you... Like I like that theory. I also wonder if... I think... Mainstream entertainment has been dumbed down to such an extent that people would rather watch something they're not really that into but know that it's fine, then, like, I watched seven couples, seven different couples leave Babylon. Hmm. And it's like, why are you leaving? Like, can't you, like, it's, there's so much happening in this film. Can't you just kind of sit back and watch? Like, can't you? I'm not
3: across the film. Does it, is the content the kind of thing that would make people uncomfortable or is it just of a low quality
2: oh it's like no it's damien chazelle like it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's like a beautiful looking film and mm. it's and it's about uh the uh the movie industry with the talkies uh, uh silent films coming yes talk films. right yes but you okay. know like like the first, i have seen a trailer yeah. like the like five minutes into the film an elephant shits all over two people huh. and it's really <laughs> like if you can't just kind of like it's funny. Yeah. Like I mean, that's
3: the t- like that sets the tone.
2: Yeah, that's you know. kind of letting you know. You're like ev- everything's maxed yeah. Like yeah. even the silence is dialed up to ten. Wow. But but I know people. Like I know a mate of mine hated Thor: Love and Thunder and has watched it three times.
3: What's that? Have you int- like what? What? How? How does your friend explain that?
2: Ah, it was shit. Yeah, you know I've watched it a few times, and you know it's just it, you know I. It's not great and I thought it might get better but it hasn't. But, but they, they would so, – and then you say, oh, you should see Tar." Oh, I'm not seeing that. A two-hour, yeah. two 45-minute movie okay, so about th- a conductor and you go, you you watched a movie that you hated the first time two more times. for For what?
3: This is the other ingredient in the kind of explanation for why people are really gravitating towards nostalgia at the moment. And it's you know it's kind of you know sneered at sometimes as like the pop psychology explanation, but it's incredibly real as well. It's that people don't want to be challenged at the moment. I remember mm. pitching a project, pitching a really kind of, I mean, you know, I, I love dystopian stuff. Um, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit burnt out on it, but you know, about eighteen months ago, pitching something to a, a content executive at a media company being like, I want to make a podcast about all um, the different ways that the world could end, Mm -hmm. ranking them from like least likely to most likely Mm -hmm. and kind of going through what we're doing. Yeah, just like, you know, turning those ideas over. Super interesting. There are a lot of ways the world could end. That's something that I am excited about. And he said to me, I think we're moving into a time where people are just going to want to tune out from hard shit. And... Yes, people are, su- and we know that because I mean the 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 ratings for a lot of like news and current affairs content over the yep. last eighteen or so months has you know not been good. It's kind yep. of tanked, um, and that's a that's an across that's not like one outlet. That's an across the board pattern. Uh, people are switched off. And they, are hard if something's hard if something's challenging, and I get it. Mm. People do not want that. They want like it's like why my Germany is what he was saying. They just want to like forget the war, forget the reparations, mm. forget like you know draw some stocking seams on our see, stocking seams on our yep. calves, yep. and go out dancing and like watch some like dumb nothing that doesn't mean anything.
2: Right, but but not not engaging with the news shouldn't mean not engaging with your intellect.
3: No, like, but like I think what? Tar, as an example, to go back to your example, Tar is like potentially a challenging film. It is, you know, it's kind of being marketed as such. It's like, oh, is this like a treatise on cancel culture? I mean, we'll leave that to one side because yeah. i have not seen it yet and people will have that debate elsewhere. But, you know, it promises to deal with serious themes. Right. Thor, not promising to deal with serious themes. It's escapism. Yeah, but yes. why would
2: you –
3: so if, people, if so I
2: got kicked in the cock – and it hurt. I don't need to be kicked in the cock two more times just to see if it still
3: hurts. <laughs> no, I can't explain a friend's behaviour any more than you can. <laughs> seeing a film three times doesn't make any sense to me. But I think there is. What I would say is that there is comfort in the familiar. Yes, and that no, no, yes, and that yes. can be. So sorry to to extend on yeah. the point. Yeah, you know what, what I meant when I was like, people want the easy thing. Yes. people don't want the hard thing. That also encompasses seeing the familiar thing. Yes, people want to like oh like. The thing that they remember from when they were a kid. The song that they will remember from being a teenager. Or or maybe that's even just a film they've seen before. Even if that film is shit, you know what you're in for and the world is kind of a little bit unpredictable right now. That is the understatement of the century. And you know what's predictable? The shit film I watched last week.
2: Yeah. No, no, no. I think you're right. But, you know, if you go to Babylon and you just can't enjoy, even on a very simplistic level, Margot Robbie... In a dress Then Sure Like What you couldn't sit in air conditioning for three hours And just enjoy Margot Robbie <laughs> Like you you couldn't enjoy Do you know what I mean Like
3: yeah. Are you I just think Okay so this is a
2: And, I, and I, I need to stress The movie is
3: a hot mess I'm I can't, I can't you've, you've sold it Like I can't wait to see it Yeah What I would say And this has just reminded me of something That I've been thinking about a bit Because for the last two days All I've been listening to Is classical music Okay um, yes. Which happens to me sometimes When like It is a little bit challenging Inside my brain Uh, and I don't – and I've been thinking about why that is, like why – and it's about having a stronger aversion. I was thinking about why we have such a strong aversion to certain media at moments, and I don't know if you have this, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking of the people who walked out of Babylon here for whatever reason, Mm. where they're just like, I can't sit – I know it's air conditioned. I know Margot Robbie's in a dress. Mm. I cannot sit here for the – the next two hours and 55 minutes, I can't do it. I can't mm. do it. Um, and you have to leave. And that seems like quite an extreme move. but uh, And it would be rare for me to do that with a film. But mm. I do do that with music. Right. I have incredibly strong aversions to music, and it's not—it's not, it's not um, you know the same song all the time. It's mm. based on my mood. I'm like, oh, I need—I oh, yeah. need my mood to be underscored in the correct way. I yeah. need the activity I'm doing to be underscored in the correct way. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like if you're like having a romantic time, like having, and you're like you feel like you're you're in love with someone, and you're having like this very profound moment with them, having like a silly song or a funny song in the background de- becomes like unbearable because it is like it it it's undermining. The seriousness of the moment that you're having, or if you're incredibly sad, and some like mm. upbeat pop pop song com, pop song comes on, it's mm. the same thing, you know. Or and then lately, all I've been able, I just like can't tolerate anything but like this, you know. I was listening to Divorce on the way here, and I'm like, I'm like, g- great, great, and it's the only thing. But it's so dramatic, and I'm mm. like, what is it about this? And it's like it's music to like. Murder or be murdered to like mm. it is. It's incredibly dramatic, so it's not necessarily free of stress. Yeah, but I do. I guess I can relate. I I have strong, very strong reactions to certain kinds of media at times. I'm just like I cannot. I can't look at this. I can't hear this. Whatever yeah. it is,
2: I, I I definitely get that. I definitely. What's I definitely, the last
3: thing you had like a
2: strong aversion to? And you're like, I simply cannot. I push myself through it. Actually, mm. I um, I made the terrible mistake. I, I'm, I'm not saying. Uh, this has got actually nothing to do with the quality of the film. Mm. It was just the wrong film for the, that I, moment. For the, yeah. for the moment. And uh, Antichrist, the Lars von Trier film. With, oh, yeah. I've uh, not seen it, but yes. Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsborough. And I just was about halfway through it going, oh, no. Like, the, <laughs> what, what have I done? Over, like, I, I'd, over, th- over the course of three days, I'd watched All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon and Tar. <laughs> and I was like, you, you know what? Tonight... <laughs> you, I should have watched the menu again. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I—that yeah. was the mood I was in. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. Oh, here's a scene I like. Oh, here's an actor I like. Yeah. yeah. I, instead, I watched this very confronting film dealing about a couple uh, <laughs> in a in a cabin trying to deal with the grief of their uh, child dying and uh, and all the terrible things that happen physically and and uh, perhaps supernaturally as well. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, about halfway through, I just decided, you know what, I need to do to uh, even this shit out. I need to eat some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I pressed pause and I ate some ice cream for about ten minutes, and then went right. Okay, let's get back to it.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, I do sometimes need to take breaks. From, I do need to sometimes hit pause to be like, I'm so stressed <laughs> out. Have you okay? Do you, yeah, do you get like stressed yeah. out enough that you need to like pause things to be like, hold on a tick?
2: Yeah, I just need to. Whew, and that's you know like. um That's why I prefer the cinema experience because you can't escape, even though you might be. "Ah." Yeah. (laughs) But I kind of because I think it's a safe place to experience those feelings. But you know, I've been watching on HBO uh, the Last of Us, which is the Pedro Pascal series based on the video game. I have no idea about the video game, but I've really enjoyed the first two episodes of the series. And um, but you know, it's not necessarily happy, happy, joy, joy. Watch. Mm. So then, immediately afterwards, I'm watching season two of Reservation Dogs. <laughs> you know, and it's just like a little palate cleanser before I go to bed.
3: Have you, have you ever hit pause because you were laughing so hard?
2: I don't think so. <laughs> like I've laughed pretty hard. it is is this a? a, a, a Sneaky little segue into White Lotus. I
3: I wanted to – no, no, not – well, that, but also –
2: I can – but that is actually – I – so we we might as well get to it, right? And once again, spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched season two of White Lotus. So turn off now.
3: This podcast has been riddled with spoilers. It's been riddled. But
2: um, I (laughs) loved Tanya so much all the way through that series. And the Kaplunk – that happened Because I was sitting there And she's in those sh- She's freaking out And she's in those shoes Yeah And I kept thinking Just go down the stairs Just go down those steps And you'll be right And when she said You got this And she hit But it also weirdly One, one of the One of the kind of Best noises I've yes. ever heard in a film. I was is, so
0: jealous
3: of the Foley guy. Well, whoever the Foley, like whoever the sound design guy the, is. The,
2: the, the two sound design people I want to get to, uh, I want to hear a podcast with, yeah. is the person who designed Tanya's Thunk. Yes. And the person who, have you seen Tenet? No. Uh, anyway, yeah. So someone someone hits a beam in that. Yeah, gotcha. And, gotcha. and I would like them to discuss the different. Plunk noises. Yes. they came to because it was the equivalent was something of the Wilhelm scream, right? Yes, yeah, there's there got to be one. There was something about it, <laughs> so good. and I was, I was genuinely, oh no, but <laughs> <laughs> I could not stop laughing for the rest of the series. And I think my mum, because uh, uh, mum had already seen it, and I think she was like, why, like, like you're laughing hard at this? And I said, because it's just something, yeah, like because it, it was almost like a good joke. The best, I think the best jokes are the ones that the audience is thinking of as you say it. Do you know and what I mean? Because like, there's something satisfying about yeah,
3: having your expectations met. Yeah,
2: and you, and you get there just as you're saying it, they're thinking it and then they're like, ah. Oh, you know. Because yeah. I mean? sometimes if a joke comes from too left or centre, you can leave the audience going, what? Yeah. But if, if you can sort of say, if you can build it up and say it as they're thinking it and then they go, yeah, and it's kind of – like it kind of gives them confidence. And I, think, I felt yeah. like with that, I was like, geez, I wish she'd just got, to-
3: oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think there is like, there's something to that about people needing the expectation. But I do like to be kind of sideswiped by a by a joke. Like I think like that's just a personal taste. I know mm. that that is not like ordinary in audiences, but I really like to be like shocked by, a, yeah. by the punchline. But, yeah. And I was... There was something shocking about that. Like, it had a little bit of everything for everybody. But I had to pause it. It's not the – I was actually also thinking of the the, the scene in Russian Doll because this got me thinking, right? I haven't seen Russian Doll. Okay. Ah!
2: Oh. No, know. Ah!
3: Oh. I know. Okay. It got me thinking about what the funniest – what makes a death funny. Right. Because – it was in some ways quite a disrespectful death to give to a main character. <laughs> I know. Cause
2: like she was also, because Mike, why, that's like Jennifer Coolidge is like his best friend. And I know. he created
3: that character
0: for her. And I he know. He killed
3: her off with like a- Because we have this idea of like the, a good death <laughs> and a bad death, right? Right. And by some metrics, <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge's death yeah. on White Lotus was a terrible death. It was a bad yeah. death. If that was a drama, that was the most disrespectful death you could possibly yeah. give A character I mean like Yes Afterwards you got The lingering shot Of her sort of Floating in the water And you got like A sort of Moment of poetry With the corpse Which you know Lent a little bit Of belated respect To the whole affair Of her Incredibly untimely death Yeah Um (laughs) <laughs> but, but then when you think about it, okay, so it, it's a dramedy, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a drama, it's a comedy. And I was thinking about the way that that show had been carved up and how they've actually done it in an interesting way where not everyone, not every plot and not every character in that series is both funny and dramatic. Right. Some characters are just Funny. Some characters are just dramatic. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm simplifying here and you could you could argue the toss, but I think you know, I'm I'm just trying to like set out a thesis here. Jennifer Coolidge, funny. Pretty much a thousand percent of the time.
2: Oh, isn't and like even when she's trying to like her choices, her eating
0: spaghetti, eating Man, spaghetti, like
2: her choices of like you know the quick little steps she makes when she wants to get to the other side of the boat oh, to make a call. Oh, even the way she murders everyone with the gun with her eyes closed, yeah. and crying like it's yeah. all of her choices. Uh, but even so funny. even the way she looks at her assistant and is aghast when she's in places that she's not meant to be and when, when she whispers like,
3: the word gypsy. Oh my like, god! Just all of all it. those choices. And for a comic character, there is no better death. Yes. Than the death that Jennifer Coolidge got. This yes. is what I'm getting to. It is a highly respectful death for yeah. someone who is like hard out funny to be yeah. like, what's the funniest way we can kill this person? <laughs> also, okay, so now I've got like all these theories that I'm fermenting about like what makes a death funny. The sound, yes. very funny. Sound
2: sound is, is imperative.
3: Distance. Funny.
2: Oh yeah, we weren't up close.
3: You're not up close. Yes. You see it from a distance. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Death. Funny from a distance. Remember Monty Python? There's a sketch where everyone blows up at the yeah. beginning of I think. And now for something completely different. Yeah. There's all these just random explosions that happen and people die in explosions for yeah. no reason. Yeah. And it and. I la- I thought that was so funny as a kid. I still think that's funny. Yeah. I remember seeing that and, like, that would have been, uh, if the battery hadn't been dead on the remote, a great time for me to pause so I could piss myself laughing and not miss any more explosions. I could play and yeah. go back to laughing at the explosions because it happened from a distance.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what also works on the flip side emotionally mm. is seeing something incredibly intimate from a distance. Yes. Because it makes you feel awful because you're – Seeing something that you're not meant to see. Right, the voyeur so, thing. So I wonder if there is a bit of that as well or... I think it's... It, this it makes it maybe a little bit more impersonal. It's even impersonal, though, you yeah. Know.
3: They're not funny. It becomes slapstick from a distance. Yeah. Like it's in direct correlation <laughs> to how far away you are from the death. And it was like pretty much like a... It was a wide yeah. shot of Jennifer Coolidge falling off that boat. Uh, but... I'm not ruining anything when I tell you that there are some incredibly funny deaths in Russian doll. doll. Right. That is like, that, that was like, that's kind of, that's the most I've ever laughed maybe besides Monty Python at like that much death. It just makes a total mockery of the whole affair and it's incredibly liberating. We want to be able to laugh at death. Like how powerful to be able to laugh at death.
2: Well, you know, uh, so I was just, racking my brain for something else that fits in with what you're saying and um another death that you see from a distance which is actually awful but in the cinema everyone laughed was in pulp fiction when they go over the bump and he shoots oh, shoots Marvin That's actually
3: on my list because I'm making a list of yeah, funny deaths.
2: And you yeah. see that from a distance behind the car and you yes, just see and and, and it's so also right. the noise of the <laughs> Like, yeah, and then it comes back to them going, "Oh man, just and, shot Marvin in the face." Or and something yeah,
3: lines. yeah, yeah, and and the, the the sound. What's interesting about the sound is because it's counterintuitive that by making it realer, yeah. by making it more visceral, more like readily experienced, yeah. that that would make it more funny. You'd think that yeah. would make it more shocking, more, you know, you feel the death more intensely. But no, like making it realer makes it funnier somehow. Yeah. The really funny bit, though, like what makes that Pulp Fiction death funny, is John Travolta's line afterwards, right? Which is like, like oh. it's like he's dropped his his yeah, drops his, yeah, his cheeseburger. It's like Royale with cheese. Yeah, it's like yeah, no, he's yeah, <laughs> like, like, oh man, I just I just killed the like I killed yeah. Marvin or whatever. Like, yeah. it's the it's the total ca- like casual the cheapness of life should be very upsetting, very funny. Yeah. I'm have, still trying to get to the bottom of it
2: have you seen out of sight no there's, you there's, can spoil it for me then. There, there's a pretty there's a pretty funny death in that with a guy who's they're breaking into a house and he's and there's kind of two factions of people breaking into the house and uh, one of them is he, he's his character's called white boy Bob and he's and he finds all these frozen dinners and hes steaks so he's trying to steal them as well and uh, when he's running up steps he slips and he gun hits him and blows his head off and it it happens it it happens so quickly and getting
3: killed doing something petty also very funny that's really funny petty uh um it's funny because i kind of threw it open to a couple of my like whatsapp group group chats when i started mulling this idea of what makes a death funny on screen and there was someone who a good friend of mine who suggested and i can't okay, this kind of sucks because I can't remember the name of the film, but it's like a detective who gets far too close. Maybe it's Brad Pitt and he gets altogether too close to a, a murder and then it turns out it's his wife in the box. is in the 90s. His wife in the box, and then like the murderers. It's Kevin Spacey. Oh, seven. Seven. Yeah. The death at the end of Seven, and and my friend Tam just thought it was the funniest thing in the world that Kevin Spacey had put Brad Pitt's wife in a box and that reveal because it and perhaps because it was self serious. I mean, the th- the difference there is that the the creators of that film had not intended the death to be funny. That was an unintentionally funny. That death.
2: is genuinely the weirdest response I've ever heard to that
3: ending. <laughs> that it was funny like
2: hang on how, when did tam see the film
3: uh i would i would say probably not at the time she would have seen it when she was a bit older and perhaps it has dated a little poorly because it is
2: because people don't like Gwyneth Paltrow and people don't like Kevin Spacey
3: maybe no i and don't it's know also it, i a don't cultural know that it thing. was po- post him being oh. cancelled i actually think that film has Audiences have become a lot more sophisticated in the last 15 years in the way that they – general audiences, I mean, in the way that they consume um, screen culture and they are a little bit allergic to tropes and that is a very trope-heavy film. Sure. You don't agree? No. Go on. I think it's a
2: trope creator.
3: Well, okay, but that's the same thing, but that's not it? Also, like,
2: but that's also like people watching Pulp Fiction and going, ugh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the storylines were all jumbled up.
3: Yeah, you yeah, just, no, no, it's you just got to it late, yeah, and that's actually like yeah. that was a yeah, a, a I, new can thing. T- I but like, I, I, you know, yeah. rightly or wrongly, like I'm not saying yeah. like oh seven was hack, yeah, no pen intended. Um, seven was like you know a badly made film. Is like it it just scans poorly to a. a a contemporary audience because they're like, oh, that's so done. It happened to be the first, maybe one of the first films that did that. That well, it, 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 it
2: set off a of whole list of you yes. know uh, those types of movies. But um, at the time, I saw that at the cinema and had no idea that was coming. And the cinema was fucking
3: in pieces. Oh, just in
2: shock. Yeah, everyone was like. But I think it. I think I what I think I'm, what's in the box, yeah. like, it. Classic movies have things that get caught up in the zeitgeist and then you know
3: Mm. like you had no idea her head was in the box (laughs) i mean i feel like okay so here's an interesting question a very graphic one this is gonna get a content warning but like would it have been a funny death i would argue if it was a funny film no if they showed the head in the box which they don't. Because it become no, they don't. They make no. a choice not to, and that yeah. is obviously that's how you keep the, the There's death. There's a subliminal shot that's of the her thing. face. You make de- that's that goes to my point before yeah. about like the closer you get to a death, yeah, con- like counterintuitively, yeah. the funnier it gets because the more ridiculous it gets because we're not really we don't have the tools to kind of compute death when it becomes too real. Yeah, that needs to be treated with a res- respectful, almost funereal. Um, you know approach where yeah. you know shots are respectful and distant and lingering yeah um, and you know you we see their face and we see the pain and we see the emotion on the loved ones as they, you know their person dies and the fear in their eyes as they die it gives it gives um, the due respect to this sac- sacrament of death yes but if you but beca- if you go too close if you get too real all of a sudden, passes out the other side of being respectful and tragic and starts being funny again. The
2: the thing about the ending of Seven is, and I I want people to listen to this carefully before they judge what I'm saying, but the head in the box is not what you're getting to. It's about the character making the choice when they discover what's in the box. Yes. It's about the choice that has to be made. And if you've been engaged with the film, you're hoping that they make the right choice.
3: Yes, I love that you're protecting this spoiler even though... No, 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 you're you're hoping (laughs) that
2: Brad Pitt's character who has been shown to be impetuous and all the way through it has been mentored by uh, Somerset who's trying to, you know, get his naivety out of him and stop him from being, you know... he's A A hothead. He's a hothead and he's a bit of a machismo boy and all of that kind of stuff. And then you're hoping that by this stage that he's learnt the lessons and and in the end he succumbs to who he really is yeah and then of course it's it the the movie's about when you when your faith has been worn down and and you decide to it's the right thing to do is to keep to keep on which is what somerset mm. decides to do mm. i would say a funnier death <laughs> with brad pitt in it is in burn after reading <laughs>
3: Right. I ref- I, you'll need to refresh me. I have seen this, though.
2: So, George Clooney is in one part of the storyline, Brad Pitt's in another part of the storyline, and for the whole movie, and Clooney's character is a fucking flog of a human being. It's <laughs> awful. And Brad Pitt's a fucking idiot. So are
3: and, and we are intended to. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah. Yeah, okay.
2: yeah. yeah, Clooney's character's fucking. Like, like it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're awful. a nightmare. Yes, this is reading about. He's an awful yes. arsehole. Yeah. And, and Brad Pitt's character's a fucking gym idiot <laughs> and the whole movie you're sitting there going I can't wait to see these two characters meet and then when they meet they meet for half a second because Brad Pitt's hiding in George Clooney's cupboard and Clooney shoots him in the face <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> and, you, sudden,
2: you, and you're like sitting okay. there going I've been waiting for them to meet for the whole movie and yeah. all
3: like and he, he just shot Pit in the face. This one falls firmly under the category <laughs> of, like, prank on the audience. Yes. Like, yes, yes, funny yes. because um, it's, like, fucking with the audience and their expectations. Like, people, yeah. you know, it's like, da, you got us. Yeah. You know, Dah.
2: Tell you what, though, I'm dying to meet Tam. Like, I'm... <laughs> yeah. I mean... Like, I, I am genuinely... Like, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm kind of... I feel like I'm standing up for seven way too much. But it's... <laughs> um, but, but I do think, um, like, in... In my 1996 Bunterboy show, Happy is All Buggery, we had film stuff, and we crossed. Um, we did a we did a parody of Seven, but we crossed it with Tim Ferguson's Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. And it, you know, and Tim, in, if anyone who ever saw that show, Tim Ferguson and his team would break into your house, and they would you know, they'd offer you money or, or they'd have your, your your teddy bear from when you were a kid ready to set it on fire or something <laughs> like that. And so we had Tim Ferguson as Kevin Spacey saying to my Brad Pitt, you know, go on, open up the box, David. I went into your house. I got your favourite toy. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? Anyway, so that was our – so that was 96. Yeah. So I feel like it's – I feel like it's lost its power. If we were making jokes about it in '96, (laughs) it's 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 a long time since then. So it's in the Z guys. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I I have a soft spot for Gwyneth Paltrow as an actor, but everything else, I'm I'm fine. Hey, just getting back to White Lotus quickly. Yeah, we'll we'll have to finish up in a sec. But um, who was your favorite character? Because I had I had a character who I was. To be completely honest, uh, a little bit indifferent to, to begin with, and then they became my favourite character by the end.
3: Okay, I think there's my favourite character who I liked the most and just wanted to win, mm-hmm. and and that's, I mean, this may maybe, I mean, it's you know, I love Jennifer Coolidge, but but Lucia, <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like so good to see, so good to see her get up. Yeah, uh,
2: uh, Mike White was inspired by Laverne and Shirley. For those right characters and it's, it was great. What a what a fantastic also, ending!
3: Oh, and like her offsider, of the piano player, yeah. and the scene in the chapel, like Mia. Yeah, yeah, Mia. The scene in the chapel, like looking up and like getting like oh yeah, you know, <laughs> crossing herself, going like, am I really gonna boy this guy? And anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> but my very very favourite character from just like a writer's perspective is the youngest of the family, the you know American Sicilian family yep. who are there to meet their roots
0: yeah
2: But albie,
3: albie yeah thank you um because he is the perfect portrayal of like it was it was just such a an insightful critique of like this like uh, but done in a smart way of this kind of east coast yep. liberal um who like thinks he's a feminist but is like really just like sees women as like these fledgling things to be protected Yeah, yeah. and is doing so from like uh, I thought it was just a really good portrait of the complexity of people who are doing their utmost to uh, behave in you know a good way to be a good person and they think they're nailing it Yeah, and you're kind of on their side because you're like okay you are trying to be what you understand a good person to be and you're kind of but, like, you are so far off the mark, my dude. Yeah. And really kind of annoying at the same time, and but making me laugh as well. Yeah. I loved that character because uh, uh, it had all that going on and that is hard to do.
2: I I did love Albie as well f- for all his flaws. Yes. Because he was a good boy. Specifically for he, his flaws. That is
3: the only reason I loved him.
2: Yeah. But yeah. there is something very interesting in the person trying to be their best and thinking that they're doing a good job of it. And, yeah, and, But you know in the end three generations of men checked out that woman as she walked past Boy. you know so that was great she was a babe like yeah. you know like i'm not judging it i'm yeah, just saying yeah yeah um, i loved daphne i just found <laughs> daphne to at the beginning to be like oh oh, she's annoying. And uh, and then the further it went, I was like, no, she is the most interesting character here uh, for me. She's the most complex. Yep. When she says, here's a picture of my gym instructor, this
3: is a yep. picture of your kid. And the way she's just like, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was just such a beautiful performance, I yeah. thought.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and to see someone, again, like the complexity, like seeing someone kind of running dead on a lot of stuff, like playing dumb and then like actually being like, no, I have a plan for literally everything and this is a very convenient situation for me and I've made a lot of choices. I am in control here. There's
2: there's that little moment where our husband right at the end is fucking flossing his teeth with anger and she, hey, come and say hello to our son. And in that little moment of him flossing and the look on his face, you go, he knows that's not his kid and he's still playing the game as well. And then he yeah. comes out, hey, buddy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. <laughs> it was great.
2: Um, we should uh, finish up. Uh, are you doing the festivals this year? What's what's happening?
3: Yeah, I sure am. I'm doing two shows. One's the two-handed with Jane Watt called Jazz or a Bucket of Blood, which is exactly as silly as it sounds. Um there is a bucket of blood on stage throughout the show. Uh, and the other one is called... Wait a minute.
2: Should people sit it, in the front row?
3: Yes. Okay, great. That's yes. all, That's the only question I had for yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, Wear your um, white dress, sit in the front row. Yeah. Um, I don't know
2: about
1: it. <laughs> no, it's true. It's yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it really is true. Um,
2: I look forward to the emails from people. <laughs> you said to wear the white
3: dress, and now it's red, and pink all over. I got a dry cleaning, especially. Uh, and the other show that I'm doing is my so- a new solo show, uh, which is called Your Mother Chuck's Rocks and Shells, which is rhyming slang for a very specific line in The Exorcist. If yep. you know, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's that's it so that oh and that other one your mother chucks rocks and shells is kind of about being stuck awake at 2 a.m it's like a whole show where it's always 2 a.m uh and surprise surprise about you know maybe like 50 percent of the show is about uh the exorcist but not the way you know it right yeah
2: (laughs) is that okay to sit in the front row (laughs)
3: Uh, that one, not. yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, we love it Sit in the front row Always sit in the front row uh,
2: And always great to see you. Where can people find you on the socials?
3: Uh, if you find me on Instagram I think I think I might be the only Ange LaVoy Pierre uh, out there Shouldn't say that You'll find me though Ange LaVoy Pierre um, I yeah, that's where you'll be able to see upcoming details for my new podcast, uh, and my seasons in Adelaide and Melbourne Comedy Festival, and all the other places. And
2: your um, uh, your podcast got uh, some nice mentions uh, in some pretty big areas. Uh, yeah. towards the end of last year. Yeah,
3: it was really lovely. Uh, Apple Podcasts listed us as one of the shows that captured the moment. Yeah. in twenty twenty two, which is really you know what we we're trying to do. We're going like okay. What are the things that people are obsessed with and how the hell did it come to occupy so much real estate in our, in our brains in our collective consciousness? Yep. That's great. So, yeah, that was really nice. Uh, that was a really nice thing. We've chosen Schmeitgeist as the name for that podcast because we just wanted it to be something for people to be easy, for, easy to find. Yeah. And Schmeitgeist is so spellable. Yes, <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> mm.
2: Mm. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to say goodbye now <laughs> and then I'm going to try and spell it without anyone listening in case I get it wrong. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to Ange for dropping by today. It was a real treat to finally be able to hang out with her again. Make sure you check out her shows at the Adelaide Fringe and Melbourne Comedy Festival. And while you're at it, if you're coming to my solo show, Little Victories, don't forget to use the promo code PODCAST to save money on your ticket purchases. Head to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs. Thank you also to Alicia for being our Patreon subscriber of the month. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Alicia. If you'd like access to bonus podcasts, works in progress, scripts, bigger discounts to live events, etc., head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton, and you will find a tier that suits you. I will be back on Thursday... And uh, it is going to be the fabulous Adam Richard and I discussing our favourite TV shows of 2022. And we're also discussing your favourite TV shows. Lots of the listeners, uh, lots of the people who subscribe to Patreon and are part of the Big Squid Universe shared their thoughts. And so Adam and I discussed them as well. And if you listen to the first uh, favourites... Uh, the first podcast, sorry, that went up for this season, which was Favourite Movies of 2022 with Alexei Toliopoulos. Uh If you listen to that, you know that Alexei and I agreed on one movie uh, and it was in exactly the same space. So if you've missed that, go back and listen to that. Uh, there's a little bit more crossover in this one, but not much. There's still some... Uh, big differences. So it makes for a really, really fun chat. So that will come out Thursday. And then uh, I'll uh, when we get to that episode, I'll let you know what's going to be happening next week. Let's finish today's podcast with a quote from journalist Bob Woodward. I think journalism gets measured by the quality of information it presents, not the drama or the pyrotechnics associated with us. I'd like to think that's still true. Until then. Cool
1: fact.